Hello everyone and welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. Today we are talking about the recently released uh, Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, yeah, no, this was really interesting. This one just dropped out of nowhere. I mean, people knew it was being made. They just had no idea it was going to be released so soon. So, uh, Ben, I, I believe you had something you wanted to add to this beginning. Yeah, so that stupid-ass Han Solo trailer dropped and it looks awful. I didn't see it. Good, don't watch it. It'll ruin everything. It'll ruin your childhood. Olden Ehrenreich does this weird thing with his mouth when he talks that I think he thinks is him <laughs> and, doing a Han and can Solo you say impression. That I actually liked Alden Ehrenreich. Not for the role, but I, as an actor, I, love Alden I think Ehrenreich. he's fantastic. This movie looks like shit. Awful. Like, nothing good about it. It looks like... Uh, uh, it looks like... You know when you had action figures and you're like, oh wow, it'd be really cool if this Han Solo went on this adventure and you like make up this really cool story about Han Solo and a heist and all this stuff. It, but you you weren't a good writer. You weren't a good story creator. Uh, you those are assumptions. Speak for points. yourself. My action figure stories were great. <laughs> but that's it, what it's like. It's like a child's wet dream and it looks stupid and Alden Ehrenreich's haircut is stupid. The trailer <laughs> reminds you that there are a lot of great actors in it, and it could be so cool, but it somehow looks awful. And that's all we have time for today. But for wait, I wanted to say my, I, I have a quote that I was really proud of, because someone's like, well, at least Donald Glover is Lando Calrissian's in it. And I'm like, no, definitely. I would eat Donald Glover's shit, but I'm still not going to bathe hey, yeah, saw, myself in trash. I saw you post that on Facebook. I went... You know, I have a lot of respect for Donald Glover. I, I think he's man. awesome. Musically, I mean, he's talented. He's a hell of a writer. He's a great producer, apparently. And he's a hell of an actor. Mm -hmm. I would not eat his shit. Oh, I'd eat his shit. I'd eat his shit. As long as he's dressed as Lando. Can we... Can, the mustache we, is what does can it. Can we, really. like, bleep out every time you said shit just for the, the laugh factor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd be... In fact, we also put a laugh track in there. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. it's use that Use that laugh clip we have. Call up the 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> and afterward, we'll be like, all those people are tragically dead. <laughs> They've been dead for 50 Us. years. Us. Well, I... I guess it remains to be seen, you know, that, that was uh, one of the things we talked about, I think, in the lead-up to Rogue One, and obviously everyone here has opinions on Rogue One, some very <laughs> yeah, strong yeah, opinions. Which, by the way, but, you never posted your shit on the Facebook. Oh, I never I want posted your my list. essay. I want your essay on All right, I'm going to go find it right now. But, okay, um, thanks. I, yeah. Maybe they're just lowering everyone's expectations. Well, I, I know that there's obviously a lot Successful. of development, development problems, um, with this movie, so it'll be curious to see if that translates or... To be honest, I don't even think the development problems would be the issue here. I think the issue is it, Disney just said, ooh, okay, spoiler alert, episode seven, Han Solo dies, and they instantly went, oh my god, everyone's talking about Han, let's make a fucking movie. I literally think that's what their decision making was at that point. This movie probably shouldn't have been made. Everyone's talking about Han. Let's get a Han movie out in two years. <laughs> really? No, that's how people in the industry think. It's all just money. Come on. It's Han's, Han's big right now. Let's fund that. And then it just rolls from there. Because once they already have the money for it, they're invested in it. So. Yeah, I guess that's true. Han's big right now. So we can get money for it. I wonder how much Ron Howard got paid to walk into that shit show. What's the I'm sure he named his price. Oh yeah, <laughs> it'd be like you want me to 
What? Oh, okay. Hans Gorblo. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> I want to play Potsy. <laughs> What's the record for highest number of directors? It's Richie Cunningham, not Potsy. That's a good question. Actually, uh, we're going to look that up, and Ben is going to give that to you next time, or are you going to do it today, Ben? I mean, I can just start looking up now. I have internet. Oh. Uh, I don't have literally. to go to the library and look, <laughs> look through an encyclopedia. Googling it right now. <laughs> do we want to uh, introduce ourselves? Is yeah, that something so let's we go around do? the uh, room. We're going we're gonna, uh, to start with, uh, well, it's me, Colin, obviously. This nice, sultry voice coming at you. <laughs> Live. Colin, you're so cute. Um, oh. But then, uh, uh, who's sitting next to me? Mark. Oh, hey, Mark. I am Ben Young. <laughs> Jason. Wait, can you say that again? I am Ben Young. Are you super cutting my I am Ben Young? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> it got me thinking, though. At some point, if we continue to do this, it'll be like 50 years from now, and there's just going to be 50 years of I am Ben Young, and then we can make like a drink. I am like, Ben Young. I am Ben if there's ever and then eventually I am like Tom a, Waits but <laughs> someday it's gonna be I am Ben Old but if there's ever a movie oh. if there's ever a movie made about like the behind the scenes of sci-fi cross sections directed by Ron Howard uh, it is definitely going to be titled I am Ben Young oh my God. <laughs> I am Ben Young the sci-fi cross sections I would just call it Young I, I so badly want to argue with the digital <laughs> consciousness of Ben on whether or not a digital consciousness <laughs> is a human. <laughs> Statement. I he, am he not blow. a human. He would cry. He'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> I am sci-fi cross-sections, the story of Ben Young. <laughs> am I Ben Young? <laughs> what does it mean to be Ben Young? <laughs> I do not know. I have our answer. Oh, It's, right. it's disappointing. The most the directors in a movie was the multi-language independent feature film The Owner in 2012. Doesn't count. Which was directed by 25 directors. What? How is that disappointing? <laughs> From 13 countries. But I don't think it's like well, a, no, we wanted like it, a shit I think show. it was intentional. Are they like visionettes though? You want like, is it I too think many cooks, I think it's gonna right? be a bunch of shorts that were put together. No, no, no. That's the what I want. Film follows a backpack on its journey around the world interweaving a variety of cultures, languages, and mm. film styles into one single narrative. I actually kind of like that. So it's 25 directors it. filming their own thing. Right. It wasn't know, 25 directors. We wanted a shit show of get out. Passing around. Get out. I'm trying. I'm trying. Get out. I'll Who's next? Looking. Get out. Who's Attempting next? Attempting to make one coherent project. Uh, by the yeah. way, I just want to point out that we didn't finish going around the room. <laughs> Who the fuck is here right now? We're freaking out. I get it. I get that Ben Young is here, but... Jason? Matt? It's me. Andrew. So today we are talking about Cloverfield Paradox. That's right. The third installment of I'm going to limb and say anthology series. Yeah, that's mm. fair. Oh, did you want me to synopsize? Yeah, yeah. you're good with that. Okay, so the movie opens up with uh, husband and wife sitting in a car and. All right now. <laughs> okay, no, no. Do you want me to just read a summary of the movie? Oh, do it. Do, do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> All right, one sec. Can you do it in some sort of snappy accent, though? Uh, I'm not really good at accents. Okay, no, no. British voices. A ragtag group of international goofballs. No, no. You got this. the energy crisis. You got this. That was perfect. Keep it. 1940s, you're in a movie theater. You're waiting for your feature to start, but you're getting a report of the war. Go. The story set in the, in the near future centers on a team of astronauts on a space station making a terrifying discovery that challenges all they know about the fabric of reality as they desperately fight for their survival. 
Jimmy oh, Stewart, everyone. Can I, can I try Jimmy. that? I, I want to try it now. Because yeah, you, you got me. All right, you, you, you got you gotta, you gotta, <clears throat> Ben's got it for you. Okay. I don't want to get too close to it. Right here? Yeah. The story set in the near future centers on a team of astronauts on a space station making a terrifying discovery that challenges all they know about the fabric of reality as they desperately fight for their survival. That was pretty good. <laughs> I thought you were going to do a voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're actually going to go around the room. I want to see everyone's opening thoughts from this. Obviously, a lot of people are going to have a lot of thoughts. So, Jason, actually, why don't you start with your opening thoughts? Okay, so, uh, briefly, I really enjoy the Cloverfield idea, you know, I, I, the mythos. I saw the first film and loved it. I loved the, uh, at the time, the found footage thing because it was kind of novel, um, the way that they used it. Um, and I thought it was a good film. I didn't think it was an amazing film, but... I enjoyed the monster movie premise, like I said, mixed with the, the found footage and everything else like that. Um, and then it just kind of disappeared for a while. And then when uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, Lane, Ten Cloverfield Lane came out, um, not very long ago, it was about what we said, two years. Yeah. Um, it was just a breath of fresh air. It was such a good movie, and we, you know, did a cast on it. It was so focused on the performances and um, the way that they kind of expanded the the mythos in an interesting way. I thought was really cool. So uh, I've, I've followed a little bit of like the, uh, you know, talk of what the next uh, iteration of the franchise would be, but I, I wasn't like totally up on it where I knew like release dates and everything else like that. Um, so when I found out that, hey, there's a new Cloverfield, Canon Cloverfield film on Netflix tonight, um, I watched it, I devoured it, and uh, I feel like it definitely raised a lot of issues for me, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, that being said, I don't think it really damages the previous two films. Maybe in, I wouldn't necessarily say in a in a like a world building context, but it those films stand alone as good films on you know on their own still. Sure. Regardless of this film, which I'm sure we'll get into our opinions on that, but mm -hmm. um, I was overall I was definitely let down. That would be my my opening okay. salvo. No, I. I, I kind of know where you're coming from on that regard. I think a lot of us do. But uh, Matt, do you want to give your opening thoughts? I was very excited. I was entertained. But I was severely let down. The movie just did not live up to the world they were creating around it. And it bummed me out in a lot of ways. Okay. I'll get into more detail later. But <laughs> that, that's my overall. Okay. <laughs> All right, it's a good opening thought. Uh, Andrew. A.K.A. Miller. So while I was watching the movie, I I was really into it. I was really digging everything that I was seeing. I'm like, this is interesting. This is kind of fun. And I thought about it for a few hours after the movie. I thought about it over the next couple of days when I watched it. And I just realized there's a lot that I went back in my mind. And I'm like, why, is, why did this happen? What? There's a lot of things that didn't make sense to me while I was thinking about it. Like, in, it, like looking back, I'm like, this didn't make sense. Like, was the ship sentient? If it was, why was it inexplicably evil after traveling through the wormhole? Um, what was the whole point of... Like, why was that guy's arm still alive? Like, and floating, like, you know, doing crazy stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, to me, 
didn't make sense, didn't get explained. And you can do that really well. There, there's, there are times and there are properties that do that really well. But I felt like this, there was, like, the fact that there was no explanation was not good enough for me this time. I'm I, willing to suspend my disbelief sometimes. But there needs this was to be not. a point. There needs to be there a point needs to the to fact be a, that there's no explanation. Because things happened. Right. And that's, they just, the, the thing. So my arm is an automatic writer. My other dimension arm. It's like, <laughs> why though? I will say though, Miller, that this was probably Sam Neill's best performance in a decade. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Thank thought... You. Thank you. And Larry Fishburne. Thank you. Thank you. Larry. I am Renaissance home. man. I at least four Coming times. Back. I at least four times went. This is the Event Horizon of the mm-hmm. new millennium. <laughs> if this is You're like taking my things. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, oh my god. Well, if if this is the movie, like if this is what J. J. Abrams he's saw Event Horizon, like this would be so much better. If, if it were, if this happened, it's like, you did it real half well, well, this isn't, you gotta remember, this isn't Abrams. Abrams barely produces I guarantee you the only thing J.J. Abrams did it. was literally connected to the other two movies. Don't go there yet. Don't okay, go there yet. Okay, we're not gonna go there yet. Okay. Don't go there. I'm sorry, that's, that's deeper in there. That's a timeline. That's so that's, that's my, that's kind of my opening thoughts, is that the movie okay. is kind of fun. And then, if you don't think about anything, the movie's fun. Like, kind of fun. <laughs> if you don't think about it. Um, uh, going through the movie, to me, this movie started really strong. I, I actually really liked, I would say, the first hour of the movie. I thought it was pretty strong. And it, But at that point, I don't want to say it nosedived, but it, it definitely... Just took a downward angle. I was like, "Holy shit!" I don't know how they they managed to do it, but uh, there are certain strong points where, in the beginning, they had a lot of exposition to get through, and through I think the strength of the actors, because this had an amazing cast. The strength of the actors and the strength of the writers shown through with they got through a lot of exposition in a meaningful way. The way that they acted it out, and the way that. They did it. I actually thought it was pretty good. Um, it's one of the things I liked about it. Uh, but going forward, yeah, <laughs> this movie had a lot of things, like you said, that were unexplained. And I I can't believe that they're just going to go through it. I almost feel like this movie was rushed. And kind of knowing what happened with, you know, the changing of, changing of hands, um, production companies involved in everything there's a reason why it was rushed but yeah I'd say that pretty much covers my opening thoughts Mark your opening thoughts your opening yeah. salvo I was a little nervous right off the bat you know they did some cool world world building things they showed the gas station it said gas available today and, and they were generally talking about energy issues but then the conversation immediately went weirdly exposition-y and he said don't think about what I want. And she just starts like listing off all this weird okay. like, stuff. And you're like, okay, that's weirdly exposition okay. But then as soon as they took off from there, as you said, they started doing really what I think was a really good job of building the world without directly talking about it too much. So, which I liked. The way 
the best way to get exposition across is more matter-of-factly and it's actually through the action um, if people are just like listing back backstory and information it it's painfully obvious mm -hmm. but the way that they did it in that car scene it was emotionally charged and we know nothing about these people but it was emotionally charged I think they did the exposition rather well and, but agree to disagree you thought it was bad all right just that one line the rest of that conversation as I was fine anyway so then they you know they go into space and they did more dialogue between the the different like nationally represented uh, scientists was really interesting I like that kind of described more of the climate of what was going on in the world as well and then as you said they I really enjoyed the first hour or so of the movie I thought they took their time they developed the characters nicely I enjoyed the kind of sciencey space horror things that were happening I really liked the effects everything was you know, in that department was fantastic. Forty million dollars would get you some pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. pretty but, good purple space lasers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then it it was almost like someone sitting in the passenger seat just like reached over and pressed on the knee of the person driving and just pushed the gas pedal down, and the movie just took off and started going faster and faster, and in a way that was you didn't have a chance to like process it or really see people's emotional states. It was just like things were just happening all of a sudden and then the movie was over and uh i don't know that really kind of made it flop in the end to me honestly if they'd kept the pace it was a little longer and they kept the pace from before i think it could have been way more interesting but the poor ending took away <clears throat> a lot of the enjoyment for me from the earlier parts okay it was kind of a bummer all right so being the last you've all said everything i wanted to say so my anything i say at this point would be redundant but I say it in more fun ways, so I'm going to do it now. Please do. <laughs> fun is, is his way of saying angry. Well, you didn't like my convoluted passenger uh, driver situation? <laughs> Not I at all. It. That was good. So, <laughs> I, I loved it starting out. I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Like, the first half hour, I think I was really on board. And then I just kind of felt, felt myself going, oh, oh. Oh, throughout the whole thing. And, and it didn't really hit me how much I hated this movie until someone I was arguing with on the internet said it's just a worse version of Event Horizon. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, no, it's a better version of Event Horizon because Event Horizon is still fucking trash. Nope. I would like Second Ben's remarks stricken from the record. <laughs> Second of all, yes, it is very similar to Event Horizon in just about, in just about every way. The only thing that could have made it a, could have made it better was was the presence of Sam Neill, I suppose. But and a, I, and a leather cod piece. I can't believe you guys got to see him. He was there the whole time <laughs> in a leather cod I'm piece. I'm looking the at the Easter eggs now. He, he was home there. already. Um, you guys he keep, was the reactor core. You guys keep naming the actors and leaving Jason Isaacs out, and it's making me very sad. Yeah, Jeremy Irons. No one cares about Event Horizon, man. It sucks. But most importantly, the what I felt like it really has in kinship with Event Horizon is there are 45 minutes missing from this fucking movie. 100% yep. missing. Yeah, and you, 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 it really picks up at the end with, like Mark said, with his, I don't know, his roadhead analogy. Um... <laughs> The uh, you, you can tell at the end when it's just like all of a sudden Jensen is is like shooting people and like out of nowhere just like oh okay all right so she is bad I figured but I mean like all right well okay 
and at one point, I think I was watching it with my roommate, and at one point we were like, when she when she fucking calls her her alternate universe self, she, we're just like, why didn't you just fucking do that to start with? Why why did it take you to the end of the movie? To they didn't deal have with communications this? up until way later. Oh no, they had communications up and running. I think. They had, they had them up and running. Pretty early, I thought. They were picking up signals, well, but they couldn't send signals. Yeah. I didn't. Oh. I, I was under the impression, though, that wasn't a call. That was like a, a message. video. Yeah, line. it was a video yeah. message. I mean, give it to Jensen something. It, it, there's a lot of convoluted shit. But what I do like about it is it are the Easter eggs, because I'm a sucker for it. And and I, I like the universe, the multiverse oh, of the, Cloverfield Oh, the Easter eggs were very now. fun. Yeah, go ahead. And I like the multiverse of Cloverfield still. You know, one bad movie isn't going to ruin it for me. So I'm excited to get into the nitty gritty. I can't wait for the director's cut. I, I hope that there's going to be a director's cut. Maybe. It's Netflix, so who knows now? Netflix will continuously put out shit. They'll they'll do it. They do release uh, physical copies of things. True. I've seen them in stores. Yeah. Oh my god! I work for a company, and I could tell you right now that we have more copies of Stranger Things than is humanly <laughs> necessary. Because they banked on people buying it, but you can get the shit on Netflix. Why the fuck would you buy a physical? Well, because that v- that VHS copy is really fucking. It's cool, cool but they the market they, yep, they definitely aired. We have a lot of Stranger Things. Mm. No one's buying them. One thing no before we move on, yeah, because um, I didn't actually touch on that in my opening statement there, but uh, Mark did, and I wanted to uh, just briefly touch on it again. Um, <clears throat> Visually, I thought, like, when, when I, I heard, okay, well, it's this theatrical production, or it was intended to be a theatrical production that got, you know, bought by Netflix. Now it's on Netflix. I think, to me, I, I had a certain assumption that maybe the production value would be good, but maybe it wouldn't be, like, you know, holy shit good. And a lot of that stuff, especially early on, like, when you start getting into the like set design of the space station and a lot of the exterior shots and a lot of the stuff that was going on like the reactor effects and oh. just the way it was shot the colors the you know the spacesuits and the costumes and everything else <clears throat> top notch stuff i mean it really oh. looked phenomenal it looked like 40 million to, to piggyback off of that a little bit um, one of my favorite things about sci-fi is the whole like you have a crew in a very like on a ship or a space station very um, very small. I can't even describe it right now. But like uh, the isolation, a- alien event horizon. Yeah. You know, I'm feeling that we've touched on this archetype before. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, we have. Uh, that is honestly one of my favorite things about sci-fi, and they nailed it. In this well, movie. it was uh, one of the things I was excited about um, when you know we saw. Okay, well, this is going to be this type of film. I mean, it's a premise. It's a setup we've seen a million times before. And much better, but it was exciting for me to have a film in this universe in that style. There was a scene with them around the dinner table. Not the dinner table, but like breakfast table. That's the same damn table! (laughs) (laughs) I know, but I'm trying to like... It was the brunch brunch table. Okay, they're they're like making bagels or some shit, but... Honestly, printed that's bagels. Printed that's which is interesting, but that's actually <laughs> one of my favorite things about like this style of movie is you get this crew that knows each other and they're sitting around the table discussing boring shit, and then before every, all hell breaks loose, like that was I liked it. 
It was good in the beginning, bad in the end. <laughs> All right. These so, are the summary um, of the opening thoughts. Yeah, we... Yeah. A little too long on the opening thoughts. I'm sorry. Thank you. So, I, I'm pretty sure we're all fans of the uh, the Cloverfield franchise. At I this like point. the second movie. Yeah. Well, the first one was neat. The first mean, one's incredible. Oh, in, 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 the first one is a terms, shaky excuse to hold a camera. So first off, hang on. In terms of a genre of the found footage, like it era was great happens, for what it was. That was probably the best one. And what it was was great. It was a boring movie. Boring. What the fuck are you even talking about, Matt? It's a fucking <laughs> icon in sci-fi. Oh my god! All this horrible stuff is happening around me. Let me just hold my camera. He says and... why he keeps filming. You even watched the movie? <laughs> yes, I did a couple of times when it first came out. Wait, and they, I didn't understand why people liked it. They say you shouldn't keep filming. And he says, I have to keep filming so people know what happened. Who's going to be around to see what happened <laughs> if everybody's dead from aliens? He's attacking... Yeah. It's Instead not aliens, of getting to safety, I'm going to hold this camera and it probably won't be destroyed with me. They, they literally... You don't think... It, if there was an apocalyptic thing going on, that someone wouldn't be fucking recording it? In this day and exactly. age, every single fucking person would be recording if the world was ending. Not to mention... Because people are stupid. There are illegal. many points in Cloverfield where he stops recording. Where it stops and then picks up, you know, minutes to, to sometimes almost a half hour so later. you're trying to attack the genre of the f- found footage instead of the movie itself. Found footage, I feel, can be done pretty well. I felt that was one of the better ones. I felt like Cloverfield wasn't it for me. It was not a good example okay. of found footage because it felt forced often that he was like trying to do like he was jumping across yeah. places yeah. and holding the camera still. Like there so, were too many times that it I, felt it's unnecessary. Man, I will it. give you this. I will give you this. You ready? Because we've done 10 Cloverfield Lane, and now we're doing Cloverfield Paradox, I will allow us to go back and do an episode on Cloverfield. I, I would like that. I, I could, This is actually, this will be interesting if we do it. So we're not going to talk too much more about Cloverfield at this point. I, I, because I, this, honestly, this is good enough. We're going to do a podcast on it. In 10 Cloverfield Instead, Lane, we have a whole episode on that. We do. Yeah, listen to it. We could redo it, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Jesus Christ. We could redo it because Ben wasn't there for that. No, please. Be efficient. No <laughs> uh, more redoing podcasts. Okay, so we, we can do Cloverfield. So we're going to move on now to uh, Timeline of this franchise. I'm just happy that they found the Blair Witch at the end of the original <laughs> Cloverfield. Go away! <laughs> Quit sitting next to me! So I have a theory on the timeline... You want to talk about that? I know. I would love for you to talk about the theory on the timeline. So I've I've worked on it a while now through many arguments with the internet people. I'm just picturing you doing like science experiments in your bedroom with like beakers and. Well, it honestly comes down to a lot of lost arguments and a lot of failed lines of logic that people go that makes no fucking sense, and I go, damn, they're right. And, And it comes down to this. So ten Cloverfield Lane takes place in a whole other universe that's going on right now. Because we learn through uh, Donald Logue's character, who is actually uh, John Goodman's brother. Yep. Um, Easter egg. So, okay, let me break it down for you. Um, There's a point early on before they are, when they're doing their first test Mm -hmm. on film that we see. Uh, 
the actor um, <clears throat> Donald Logue is it? Donald Logue, yeah. Donald Logue is like a conspiracy theorist that is saying that the tests they're doing are fucked up. That is John Goodman's character's brother. I didn't know that. But no? from a different universe. It's a different universe still, in, in, in my opinion, in my theory, because uh, the universe that, that we start in, we'll call it Universe 1, is is its own thing, and we learn that, you know, the thing that happens with the Shepard Collider is going to echo across universes and timelines. Those are the two big things that we learn. Universe and timeline. So this kind of sets up anything to happen, and it's all the crew of the Cloverfield Station's fault, is what it comes down to. So now, knowing this, we have to think about where 10 Cloverfield Lane and where Cloverfield fit into this story. Are they separate universes, or are they just different timelines, or what? Um, 10 Cloverfield Lane is a separate universe because mm -hmm. of another Easter egg that I don't know if you want me to say yet, or if you want me to wait till the Easter eggs... Well, do we, we have an Easter egg section of this podcast? I thought we did. Well, then, yeah, you can save it. I can save it? All right. Um, but so that's in a whole separate universe. And Cloverfield, I believe, and this is my most solid theory, is set in the past of, this, of the original universe, of Universe 1 of the Cloverfield Station. What? Uh, nothing. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> so, okay. So hear me out. Hear me out. I got to explain this a little bit, and then you guys can co tell me I'm wrong. All right. So, Cloverfield takes place in 2008. Cloverfield Paradox takes place in 2028. And at the end of Cloverfield Paradox, we see a visibly larger Cloverfield monster called Clover. It's called Clover for, for anyone who wants to continue to reference it. That's the monster terrible. is called Clover. That's terrible. Yeah, it's stupid, but it's what the fans have officially dubbed this it. This is why fans shouldn't name things. <laughs> and Bodie, Bodie McBoatface. Clover. We see a visibly larger Clover than we've ever seen before pop its head above the clouds as they re-enter the atmosphere. So we've never seen... Clover wasn't this big in the Cloverfield movie, but if you give it 20 years to grow, we could assume that it is still alive. We know that in Cloverfield, when playing the audio backwards at the end of the credits... <laughs> <laughs> I know this is fucking crazy. Just stay with me. All right, so two, so at the end of Cloverfield, we learn that the monster is still alive by playing the audio and the credits backwards. They say it's still alive. And uh, so that gives it enough time to grow. Additionally, the carnage that we see on Earth through the character of Michael, I think his name is. Is that right? Yeah, mm -hmm. Michael. Um, it's all really sudden. It all happens really fast and seems so widespread that it's like, where did this come from? There's no way it could have happened all at once that moment unless it happened 20 years ago. The timeline, you know, it, we, we learned that the effects could echo through time, so it's set that the Cloverfield, the Clover monster, attacked in 2008, and I believe, now this I believe world... we call him Clover. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry, Clover. Clover <laughs> attacked in 2008, and had 20 years of breeding and carnage cr across the planet. I think I just found my new band name. <laughs> breeding and carnage. <laughs> that's that's basically it. Is that is that now you know this there's a reason that the that the destruction seems so widespread and so fast all of a sudden is because it's been going on for 20 years. These people just because of the paradox, you know, they they may not have memories of it. 
happening because it's a paradox, but it has been happening and is always going to continue happening and will have happened and will happen on that planet forever now because of what they did. And, and and all sorts of other things will happen in other universes. Aliens will be attacking Earth forever. They have always attacked Earth forever. They they are attacking Earth right now forever in the Ten Cloverfield Lane universe. Elo Tempore, J. J. God's will time. Forever make more money. Yeah, that's um, actually something I came across too because immediately after watching the movie and I watched it on the first night it was available, um, there wasn't which is kind of cool. Like there wasn't a lot of reaction out yet because everyone was finishing it mm-hmm. at the same time and they had to go to bed so so late so i i kind of found some first initial impressions like really late um on that night and then you know the next day some uh some more theories and everything and and that's one that i like is kind of what ben um in a nutshell was just kind of going over um if you're trying to connect all the movies into one universe i, I think one of the characters actually mentions it um, and I don't remember if it was Donald Logue's character or if it was one of the um, the crew on the Cloverfield station, but basically said that, you know, in different times, like this, this has altered reality in different parts of the timeline. So in the current, you know, in 2028, the timeline is altered and these things are happening. But who knows, you know, in... 2008 and in 1845 you know exactly now that's brilliant in my opinion because what that lets them do and is what they're gonna do is go back you can go forward years and years and years into the future or you can go back which is what they're doing with cloverfield four yes well this was their future i think they're yeah well no it is the the fourth one's called overlord Yep. It's, and it's, it's set already in it's 1944 world war ii during yeah so i mean that's the thing like that's that's I, I think that's why that theory is correct. I think that's what they're that's what they're doing. And I didn't I didn't get it right away. Like when I watched the movie, I was like, "Well, what the hell? They said it was going to connect, and oh, I don't get how it connects." And it, they did it in a way where it's clever, but it requires you to go outside of the film a little bit. You have to think about that, and you have to make those connections. What? It's funny you said that, and from what I've read. Uh, and according to JJ, is this movie was filming before he even connected it to the rest of the Cloverfield universe. That's what well, I read as well. So the, that was that was my big point of this whole podcast, and I'll bring it up right now because you just broached it, and I feel like I, we can't go any further I'm without sorry, me I'm just sorry. doing this. No, it's okay. I don't know if you were going there. Or not. No, it's okay. So my biggest, like when I when I walked away, the biggest thing that kind of ticked me off a little bit, and you guys may have more insight on this, but. When we did 10 Cloverfield Lane, I talked about how I like the idea of treating this like an anthology because after 10 Cloverfield Lane, we weren't sure where it was going to go from there. They hadn't announced a third one or a fourth one or, you know, that they really had these widespread plans. Right. Um, I think for me personally, I wanted to see more and I, I liked the idea of the anthology, but none of us really knew that that's where they're going to go. So when, like I said, I didn't really follow it really closely so when there was this surprise announcement that okay Cloverfield 3 the third movie this is canon it's not a spin-off it's not meant to be a direct to DVD whatever this is Cloverfield 3 for all intents and purposes is out and it's you know on this service right now watch it I did 
and was initially really jazzed at the idea of, yeah, they're doing the anthology thing. It's going to be a space, you know, haunted house thing, and they're going to bring in these, you know, different things with physics and alternate dimensions and all this type of stuff. I think you really start to see the disconnect of creating an anthology series where you know that okay this is the theme of this anthology and we're going to do all these different stylistic things or genre things but this is our theme and taking films that are either already in development or that are being developed for some other purpose and then trying to i think what colin had touched on you know jj's thinking hmm, how can we connect this or let's add this scene in or let's do these reshoots to kind of shoehorn it in i'm not saying in in some ways it doesn't work but you can definitely tell I think, uh, you know, the same 10 Cloverfield Lane started its life as a completely unrelated film. Mm -hmm. It's just by the sheer nature and force of the performances and the creative team in that film that it became this enigmatic thing that was really, you know, its own statement and and stands up with the first film. Because I like the first film as well. So, like, to me, the third one, those connections, and, and not to say it wasn't, a good cast or the people involved weren't trying to make a good movie I think they were trying to make the best movie they could it just you could tell for me there was that disconnect that this was not conceptualized as a Cloverfield film right sure honestly my my biggest hope because I'm with a lot of directors you can kind of see what like their magnum opus is and it's obviously opinion based but Something tells me that J.J. Abrams, this whole Cloverfield experiment that he's building over his career at this point, probably would it be. And he's not the director or the writer. He's just the producer in all these. But I think this is honestly going to be his benchmark for cinema, is going to be the Cloverfield series. Well, what this does now is it allows, it gives indie sci-fi a home at the end of the day. It, get, it you know I've got this great sci-fi idea no one will produce it, it for me can it be a Cloverfield movie it puts him in the public eye yeah is what it is which is huge you know now it's you know welcome to the Cloverfield family not every movie from here on out needs to be as connected to the story as Cloverfield Paradox does all Cloverfield Paradox did was give everyone an excuse to go fucking ham on the universes and, and just kind of create crazy shit now it just kind of gives it a reason wait JJ's directing episode 9, right? Yeah. Yes, he is. <gasps> Cloverfield! <laughs> Starfield. So, so Cloverfield, Cloverfield, Cloverfield 4, they go back in time. <laughs> Cloverfield 5, they go way <laughs> back in time. <laughs> you would say a long time ago? <laughs> Clover is just a giant rancor. Oh! <laughs> Yeah. It is. Think wow. about it. Actually, it's yeah, right. it's weird. Like with the weird glandy thing on his neck. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, so so that was my big thing is that I don't know how I feel about I wanted it to be an anthology, and after 10 Cloverfield Lane, I was all for that idea, but now after Cloverfield Paradox, I feel like I, I want it to be an anthology if it's at least, you know, they, they give these directors or uh, writers you know total creative leeway with whatever they want to do you want to make a war movie you want to make a you know a drama you want to make a a Cloverfield comedy do it but it needs to be in the realm of sci-fi it's well but it's a Cloverfield movie right and I feel like that's the thing that that it felt the disconnect is this film started it was called the God Particle and you can tell 
a lot of the stuff from Cloverfield Paradox, it was it was added in. It was added yeah, in after yes. the fact. Yes. I guarantee that whole B plot with Michael on Earth wasn't in there at all. Oh, I think sure. the film was longer. Well, you could tell by the way it was it was completely different from the movie that was going on with what, the God Particle, the way that was filmed before. All the Michael scenes are way different. So I, I think they had this idea to make make this kind of event horizon mashed up with sunshine, mashed up with you know uh, a, a 2010 or like one of those type films, and it you we know did a podcast on sunshine, did we? I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's a movie, honey. Is it? Oh, we'll, we'll watch it. I, I, I'd love to do one on that. I love that movie. But anyway. But yeah, so I, I, that's that was kind of my main thing is if this is the third Cloverfield film, I don't know. It felt lacking in that regard. I, I felt like even though forced, it felt forced. Well, even though Ten Cloverfield Lane didn't have those blatant, blatant connections until the very end, and even then it was kind of arguable. Um, I don't know. I just felt like it. It's it stood up. It stood stood up to me in terms of quality to one. You know, you can watch one. Or they're gonna call it one. You can call it, watch Cloverfield, and you can watch Ten Cloverfield Lane, and you get that kind of level of quality, even though you're watching a different type of film. And when you watch Cloverfield Paradox now, it, it I see how it connects, and I I appreciate There's just that what they tried dive. to do, but it just that nosedive at the end. It's it it does not mm-hmm. hold up. Mm-hmm. If they had a strong ending, I could have forgiven a lot about that movie, but it didn't have a strong ending. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's there's so much that I liked about it, honestly. For for how lackluster I ended up feeling about the movie in the end, there's a lot, even looking back, that I really liked about it, actually. I kind of enjoy that they didn't explain ev- everything. They didn't explain Okay, it all the away. fact that they didn't explain the arm pisses me off. I, I don't like that they didn't show what happened to the arm. <sighs> it got but, sucked out the window when she... Yeah, but it was just... Okay, know. but real talk, how was the arm able to fucking write a message? I don't know, dude. There was a lot of things that... They just said dimensions were, like... If I had to guess, bumping. I would say that the arm switched universes, that that was not Chris O'Dowd in this universe's arm. It was Chris O'Dowd in another universe's but arm But they kind of set up that the places. station was sabotaged and was then, like, broken up and fell into the sea. So that probably happened in pretty quick succession. When did Chris O'Dowd from the other universe... Doesn't need to be from that universe. So. Oh, that's true. I'm, I'm making the assumption that it was two just switching over instead yeah. of, like, a ton of them just being crammed together. And at the end, they showed... They showed the bits of the, of the station in the water. That doesn't mean that it happened earlier, and they were just seeing the news about it then. It could have happened then. Then why did the arm know... To look inside the dead guy for that core. Because they already looked inside the dead guy in another universe. But it's just... I I heard a theory that it's kind of crazy. I'm not saying I subscribe to it necessarily. (laughs) But like they say in the movie that there's the A universe and the B universe. And that because they kind of merge based on this event. That these different things are like they're almost competing... For a place. That's how I felt about it. Like, they're trying to occupy the same space. They're trying to occupy the same space. So that's how I watched it. And some some things will hold up if you look at it in that way, but other things no, sure. don't at all. I, I actually kind of accepted that theory early, as soon as they mentioned yeah. it. Yeah. That's a really I, I easy... I accepted that theory, but I still can't come to terms with the arm. Well, what I was getting at there is that, from what I heard, that is not... 
the arm is basically sentient because it's the arm exists in universe A where the the rest of the cast is. What's the actor's name? Chris Chris O'Dowd. So Chris O'Dowd is not visible, but he is actually still there connected to the arm. So the arm can communicate because... Then why is it dragging? Okay, so... I mean... I can can believe... Chris O'Dowd's... I can believe, like... (laughs) Invisible. The universe is trying to, like, fight for a position and, like, merge and stuff like that. I can't understand why the ship took his arm. Like, why did it do that? Like, that's not how... What it really comes down to is I don't think there is a, is a real reason, honestly. No. I think that's that's a it big problem. like a plot device. It's like, wouldn't yeah. it be cool if his arm got cut off and yeah, then huh? went crawling around? No! That's a bunch of... It would be cool if you told us why that happened. The big compass thing? That was fairly large. If it was in that dude's stomach how the whole time... How did he not notice? How would he not have, like, this giant distended stomach? Well, I well, think it appeared afterwards, personally. But even still, it doesn't get. But but keep in mind, things were changing still on the station. That's true. Things were gradually shifting. Well, so that, it could const, It could just have popped in there after he had already died. It just, it, I just feel like there's so many things that it's like. I guess it could have happened this way. I it like you have to explain yeah, things away. It's I, it's sorry. Go ahead. To me, something that I hate about a lot of sci-fi movies is that they over explain things mm-hmm. and it sounds bad or it's or it's like ah that's not really how that science would work or ah that's kind of dumb don't ever watch star trek honestly <laughs> i kind of enjoy that things were just happening and there wasn't a nice clean easy explanation for everything they all they had to say was weird shit's going on because the two dimensions are colliding and they're trying to find us how to fit together and it just had weird things happening because of it. They like, I think it, if they had tried to explain it, explain every single thing out, it would have been weird. Why did the welding stuff ended... stop going straight towards whatever magnetic field it was, and it was wrapping around him and pulling him in and going into him? Why was there a release that lever thing? that could only be activated if you're literally in the section that's getting released? And why didn't he just latch <laughs> himself <laughs> onto the, the rest of the ship? Like, why didn't um, he just latch himself on the part of the ship well, that did my, my favorite thing that got pointed out uh, when I was looking at, you know, one of those posts that kind of, like, tries to pick everything apart, like... The Russian character is, he's doing like a total uh, like uh, Prometheus moment there where he's looking in the mirror and he sees shit crawling on oh his forehead God. and he's yeah. talking to himself. And, you know, no, he's yes. talking to the Russians. He's talking to the Russians. I thought he was talking to his own. Uh, the, his, I took it as pretty sure yeah. he was talking. He's getting information from the Russians from that earth to attack Schmidt. Because oh, I missed that. Because his because they were at odds. Him and the Russian and the Germans were fighting each other on on so that that universe is Schmidt and universe B, universes B universe. Thank you, universe B's Russian and German were the main reasons that the that the station sabotaged. Yeah, I caught that in B because I know yeah Schmidt. So what we had was that competing of a place in the universe. So that one actually made sense. uh, The uh, Volkov, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Volkov. Yep. So, his was not a smooth transition like a lot of the other characters mm-hmm. were. His, the Volkov and B and the Volkov and A were literally coming together with worms. Right. Um, that was what I thought, is that the two, the two Volkovs were actually merging into one, and that was why he was losing control of his eye. I thought he was talking to himself, yeah, not better. the other. 
I thought he was talking to himself. I mean, that's possible too, but it seemed like he was no. he was well, accepting I, orders. I, I didn't even think like. of that, but I kind of like that theory that he was talking to himself in Universe B. That's because it, it seemed like he was think about partially that. like too, it didn't yeah. feel like his own skin, like he was pulling at it, yeah, and lifting it up, and then his eye was moving by itself, and he was trying to make it move. So I, I'm with Mark on the. Yeah, I felt that same probable. way. It could be a little bit of both too. Because it could have been that he's emerged with the rush with the universe B version. Who knew when universe B was getting orders? Space Putin. Because that makes me think about that too. Like the Volkov, do it. What's the the German? Schmidt. You must read the principles. Please still shoot them in the shoulder, please. No. Schmidt in universe A didn't have the connections to the German government. Oh, uh-huh. so universe, far as we know, right? Schmidt and Universe B, they knew that he did. So when the two merged, like it's, it seems like the whole crew had figured out at that point that he was sabotaging everything. That yeah, but maybe they handled Schmidt in the first. Maybe they killed him in, in, in Universe B. They already handled yeah, Schmidt, so, there's, so the merge, there's no competition going on. The merging, he uh, was telling his, his self oh in God, Universe A to so go. Much with this. And kill Schmidt. That was like that yeah. made sense to me too because of that. That's possible too. See, I think that's great though because we're pulling out all these theories that they. Sorry, bro, onions. They, oh, they pulled out all these theories, uh, or, or we're pulling out all these theories that they might have planted the seed, but they didn't telegraph all this stuff. This is stuff we were kind of, right? You know, making assumptions. But in my opinion, that's a cooler. Yeah, story than really what we were given, you know, and we're yeah. we're coming up with it. So, well, here's the deal, and, and this is going back to what Mark had said earlier was um, how Mark you were saying how you liked that it wasn't all explained, and in most cases, I agree with you. One of my favorite shows is Lost, as everyone on this podcast knows, and all of our listeners know. One of my favorite shows is Lost, and there's a lot that just didn't get explained, but it didn't get explained because there was no point to it. That was a big thing. Abrams said that the stuff you didn't get answers to, well, not Abrams, but Lindelof and Cuse said the stuff you didn't get answers to weren't important. We didn't. We we had a limited amount of time. We needed to answer and what we needed to answer, and we answered the most important things. There was a lot of stuff in that movie that kind of it didn't need to be overly explained, but we needed to know the point. And a lot of it seemed like plot device rather than universe reasons you know in universe reasons and in character reasons and that was my biggest complaint with it is, is uh, well, like I said well I agree with you that don't over explain you have to have a point yeah. you can't just say be really cool if his arm detached and like gave them a clue like and what? All, so, and all of our <laughs> theorizing oh, I'm sorry well, no, go ahead. Uh, All of our theorizing also comes back to fan-goggling. Even I'm doing it. I'm fan-goggling the, the fuck out of this movie. I'm trying to keep this movie at a 6 out of 10 instead of a 3 out of wait, 10. Wait, wait, you know how we bitch about fanboys? Are we fanboying this movie right now? A little bit. This is... I, we, you want to be honest? This is a three out of ten movie. This so movie to, is trash. to all the fanboys who have stuck through this far into the uh, podcast... Uh, we're kind of sorry. No, we still fucking hate fanboys, but we're also kind of sorry because we are now fanboying a series. If we're going to be fair, it's it's trash. But I think I like Cloverfield, so I'm trying I'm we see trying the to we see the we see the potential of Cloverfield. Yes. But so when it doesn't though. meet it, we get We know because they did it with 10 Cloverfield Lane. 
the concept of trying to do a different genre film mm-hmm. in the universe works because yes. they did it. Yeah. This was not a good attempt at that. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to fail. And if God Particle yeah. on its own, I probably would have liked it yeah. more. But the, I, I think so. But the fact that... Uh, hmm. Well, here's the question. Would you guys have all paid 15 bucks to go see that? Not Hell knowing no. now. No. I have no movie pass, so no, I wouldn't have paid oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, honestly, I would not have paid to see it in theaters, but I would definitely look forward to seeing. It. If if that film was advertised right. with, as, the, with the same cast, no. If because I would if, go see it having not cast. released it, which probably will be the next thing we talk about briefly. But had they not done the release schedule that they did, and they had marketed that as a traditional, you know, marketing campaign for a film, here is you know new science fiction movie, you know Cloverfield Paradox comes out March 3rd in your local theater or whatever would be honest we all would have gone to see it yeah yes. of course we, we all would have I yeah. mean the, the cast alone drew me to that movie mm-hmm. that's a hell of a cast oh yeah um yeah I think I would have gone and seen it um I love that we went from let's talk about the timeline to uh quantum physics but uh, <laughs> Well, it, it was it was relevant. It, it was. Uh, ben, I think you wanted to talk about some of the Easter eggs in here. I have a list. You have a list. Stuff I didn't know, actually. Connecting, I, I just connecting learned today. all the, uh, this Cloverfield to the others. So. Not just that. There's some interesting if ones. If you want to break Did it. you all know that Simon Pegg was in this movie? I did know that. I didn't. I, and I guess you can hear him oh, quite well. Oh, he was the little girl. <laughs> Basically, anything J.J. Abrams does, he puts both uh, Simon Pegg and... and Greg, Greg Grunberg is also Greg in Grunberg it. and everything, if, yeah. including Star Wars. Yeah, so Simon Pegg was in it. He was, I think he was on the radio at some point. Yes, he was. Uh, the Kelvin gas station is in it. As we all know, J.J. Abrams it, it, uh, nods to his great-grandfather Kelvin um, through everything. Uh, everything he does. So most interestingly, and what we know, how we know for sure that this, that at least mostly, that the universe A in Cloverfield Paradox is not the same universe as Ten Cloverfield Lane, is the newscaster that we see speaking with Donald Logue mm-hmm. is the same person who was burned yep. due to the uh, attack, the first attack uh, by the aliens and wouldn't be yep. let into the bunker by John Goodman. Same character. She's the same character. Interesting. Oh. So that is how, that kind of gives it away that, because 10 Cloverfield Lane definitively takes place in 2016. So now if, if, if we want to talk about timelines and things going wonky, we can, but I think this is the best evidence to just kind of securely put 10 Cloverfield Lane in a different universe. If you wanted to play that game. You also don't don't have to play that game. I don't think it's, like we said before, it's not one chronology. You can't draw a line through all three movies. We talked about the Stanboy brother, which is really interesting. Another conspiracy theorist. Mm -hmm. We had a slushlo bobblehead up on the station. I caught that. That was very prominent. What was that from? Slusho is is another Abrams creation. Um, He kind of Easter eggs it in a lot of his stuff to kind of put everything in his same world. Um, I think it originally originated in Alias when Vaughn offered Sydney a slusho because she he said it looks like she needed a pick me up. And then slusho was really prominent in Cloverfield because uh, Is it in Super Eight? It's in Super Eight. It is in Super Eight. Uh-huh. Um it's really prominent in Cloverfield because the, the seaweed they used to make slusho 
is is they they mined it off the bottom of the seafloor, and that's what a lot of people say kind of like awakened the monster. So if you want to argue that that's also true, you can just argue that the space station caused the monster to be there in the first place, which awakened it, and blah blah blah. Who cares? Um, the flash of red light, which I didn't know about. Um, uh, less of an explicit Easter egg. Uh, small detail and clarification that might slip by even seasoned Cloverfield fans. Uh, you'll need to remember how the attack in 10 Cloverfield was, Lane was described by Emmett. Uh, it looked like a flash, bright red, like an explosion from way off. It wasn't like fireworks. Nah, this was more like something you'd read about in the Bible. This wasn't anything I've ever seen. At the time, neither viewers nor Michelle knew what he was talking about, but when the particle accelerator aboard the Cloverfield begins to run at full power, it can be seen shifting from a clear purple light to a brighter red. So... Hmm. I actually missed it shifting to a brighter red. I thought it was That's interesting. Um, I'll have to watch that again. Yeah. Really look. For oh, it's that. definitely worth another watch. Even, oh. if, even if its quality objectively like said, is not it's a there. Beautifully shot movie. Yes. Yeah. It's enjoyable. It's fun. Greg Grunberg's in it. Uh, I think he's the dude on the other line of the communications. Yes, he's Joe. So, which is Michael is talking to yes. Joe the whole time. Find out what happened to. And then the meaning of the Helios mission, and I didn't read this. Uh, it's a. Bit of a long run, but the actual station being operated by the movie's cast is the name everyone cares about. But paying closer attention to mission patches and their crew photo confirms that they're technically that they're technically members of the Helios mission. So it's the Cloverfield station, but it's Mission Helios. But which, mm-hmm. if you notice, every single member is affiliated with their own country's space program. Also, interestingly enough, that this mean, article doesn't mention is that. Cloverfield Station was built by the Tagruata Company. I think I'm pronouncing that wrong. Which is kind of like the company that fucks everything up in Abrams universes. Specifically, they've made. They were the ones who were mine. Who owned Slusho and were mining that seaweed from the seafloor. They have phantom arm technology. So Cloverfield has its own umbrella court. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And actually, they are. They are the head. The the, they are the owners of the Dharma Initiative and Lost. Also, Tagarot. Oh, really? They have their own Wayland Yutani. That's very cool. Uh They even connected to Lost. Yeah, that's why I, when, when I like do stuff, it? when I write stuff, I do is Annex that, Corp, and that's where it's in, where it comes you, from. Could that, in a in a sense, then mean Lost is part of the Cloverfield? <laughs> sure. Then? Why the fuck not at this point? Uh, uh, but anyway, more? Helios is the god of the sun, and he was able to pull the sun across the sky with a chariot. Blah 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 blah. Banthian cannot control the chariot. In other words, his effort to play god with the awesome power wielded by Helios ended up de- devastating. Uh, they should just call it Icarus. Whatever. That's it. Um, <laughs> I think uh, the the last thing I, I know we're gonna do good sci-fi, bad sci-fi pretty soon here. I'd imagine, right? We got one more thing to touch on, but then yeah. Oh, go ahead. I had one thing I wanted to add, but oh, you, I just want to talk about the this. critical reception. Actually, that segues beautifully into what I wanted. <clears throat> well, perfectly. Did do you want to? Do you I think start, people were or way have, too harsh. Do we need to go around before you say? I, what I don't you know. What do you think? Critical reception. I think that critics were a little too harsh on this film. I agree with a lot of what they said. However, I want <clears throat> to. I'm going to read it. I actually wrote this down word for word by uh, John DeFire of the Hollywood uh, <laughs> Reporter. And he oh said, boy. train wreck of a sci-fi flick bent on extending a franchise that should have died a peaceful death almost exactly one decade ago. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, okay, I disagree with a lot of what he said. It was, 
it was a bad Cloverfield film. And to be honest, the last it wasn't 40, a Cloverfield the, film. The last forty yeah, honestly. The last forty five minutes was a little rough to watch. They rushed so much. I really want to see all that is missing that was supposed to be in there. Um Potentially However, what, they, what they kicked out they, to shoehorn in the Cloverfields. Critics are shitting on this film, and I don't think it, it deserves it. Yeah. There are a lot of strong parts of it. Specifically, the acting. The cast was amazing. Everyone nailed their roles, including uh, what is it, Chris O'Dowd. I mean, he's just a, he's a comedian actor. Gugu Mbatha-Raw was fucking incredible. He, uh, yeah, she was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she nailed her role, but... I'll even say, like, the weakest point was Chris O'Dowd, and even as the comic relief, he was very strong as an actor, so... Mm-hmm. Well, wow. to go along with, uh, and actually to agree with Ben, which is one of those rare things that... Happens, it's actually happening it's more, a thing more of beauty. It's happening more and more frequently on this podcast. Well, I'm not going to lie. Well, no, you know, I think we, we, in a lot of ways, have the, the blinders on in some regards, because when I watched the film the first time, yeah, I was disappointed, but, you know, I did. I came out... Oh, it's a it's a six out of ten. That's kind of right where I would put it. I put yeah. it like a you know six, but it's a three really. I mean, it's yeah. not a good movie. That's and, exactly and what that I think. it it just kind of it it bothers me because I want to make excuses for it. I want to defend it. And there were aspects of it I liked. I think it was a great cast, and they were acting the hell out of what they had. Yes, but what they had was not very good in the end. It Visually, had potential, definitely. and that's what hurts the most. Definitely, yeah, and that and that. Uh, the, one of the big things I've seen in a lot of the critical response and critical reviews is it didn't have to be a bad movie. And it really didn't have to be a bad movie, but I think the critical, and in a lot of cases, like the fan reaction that it's getting, is directly tied to the movie we got. Mm-hmm. If it was another half an hour longer and they kept some of that additional exposition or like development in the second half of the movie, who knows? Maybe it would have been, you know... It, we would be having a different conversation. We'd be trying to rank, you know, 10 Cloverfield Lane and Cloverfield Paradox if they would have been able to stick right. the landing. But right. they didn't, and ultimately, you know, I, I think it is. It's a, it's a, like a 3 or 4 out of 10 movie that we're making excuses for, and at the end of the day, I think I'll probably... I don't feel like I'm apologizing for it. No, no I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying apologizing for it, but I think we're trying to... Find the good. More the than good. Trying to yeah. Find the bad. Which yeah. is fine. That's, you know. I think yeah. three out of ten is a little harsh. Yeah, I would say it's more like a. I'm talking pure objectivity. Okay. When you when you look when you look at a film and you look at the do's and you look at the don'ts, this it has way more don'ts on the side than it has do's. And progressively so, like it starts strong, and it just it nose dives. It really does. It it gets worse as the movie goes on. But honestly, I think critics would have been more forgiving of the movie if it was released in theaters. If it was given a real release run in a theater. Because here's the deal. People don't like Netflix. I don't know if you're aware of this. No one likes Netflix in the industry. Hell, critics even, don't. Even, studios don't. Even the subscribers don't anymore. They're paying so much for it now. <laughs> honestly, Netflix is a threat to everyone involved in in their futures and, and to... When you can hop on a Netflix hate train, do it hard and fast. And and in a way, Netflix kind of robbed theaters of this release. But can you blame hmm. the way that it was edited, the way it was cut together? But do we know that that was originally going to be the case? This movie was pushed back to May last month. So yeah. what happened? 
within between last month when it was announced that it was pushed back to May and now that it suddenly dropped into Netflix's lap. Could it be that Netflix saw that it was going to be shit no matter what? And How so would Netflix said, have just... seen that? It's a Paramount movie. Paramount doesn't just show Netflix shit. You gotta wonder what happened in, in the editing room to make them just go... Because they pushed it back for a reason. They had to push it back for a reason. Also, I feel like in this day and age, J.J. Abrams has enough pull that he could have fought for that to be delayed, right? It was delayed. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, further than... Further, sure, I'm sure it could have. If he said it wasn't ready, I'm sure he'd be respected on it. So the question, the real question that we all have to walk away with is what happened? Why? Because they're still dead set. Paramount's like, no, Overlord's going to be the, the theatrical release. We're going to do it theatrical. They paid so, $50 million for that movie. So what the fuck? So why, why'd you go to Netflix? Netflix put their brand on it and everything. Why'd you give that to Netflix after specifically saying, oh, it's going to be released in May? But you're still gonna release Overlord. I don't. I don't believe you. Number one, that Overlord is going to be released in theaters, and number two, I, 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 I don't know where that number two was. But also, the one last thing I did want to say. Number three, then. The one last thing I did want to say is that I think also people are using the word franchise too loosely here. We we in this room are using anthology film. Which is what it is. Yes, it's an anthology yes. series, and we need to be more embracing of that in the era of the franchise. We need to be True. getting away from that word because it's got a negative connotation, and, and automatically slapping the word franchise on it with a critic is going to drop it one point in, in its score immediately. Well, then I feel like at some point they just need to take Cloverfield out of the titles of these movies then. No, I don't think so. I think we need to make it clear. Um, Star Wars is trying to is doing their best. To make it clear that if it's not in a, uh, if it doesn't have a number attached to it, it's an anthology film. And, and unfortunately, they're so far 0 for 2 with their two anthology films. But they're, 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 trying to, they're trying to get people to understand that it's not a franchise, it's an anthology series. So that's all. The uh, last thing I'll say, I think coming away from the movie, the bigger story was less the quality of the movie and more how it got released. And I will say, I thought that was a really cool surprise to be like here's the trailer for the movie by the way in an hour go watch it that was cool and i'm i'm curious to see like you know who knows if that stunt will be repeated but like to me i can't wait until and and too bad this wasn't the first instance but like you know if that happens and someone does that type of like gorilla instantaneous marketing campaign because i mean let's be honest that is like the most 2018 thing ever yeah here's the trailer we're officially announcing it or whatever and it's on you know well an hour you're no fan of blizzard they've done that before well no but i mean like in in terms of film like that where it's like we're gonna bring it straight to you right now um i feel like it would have been cool if like this was like the arrival of that, like if we got some film that was really like holy shit, they just dropped, you know, this uh, incredible piece of art on us, and no one knew. Like I'm sure that would be like the ideal, like you know, uh, the new Tool record. Oh yeah, you know, by the way, it's out tomorrow. Or oh by the way, you know, you go to the music store and it's just sitting on the shelf, or like uh, Half Life Three, you know. Oh yeah, guys, it's coming out tomorrow. You know, like I mean, it just would totally rocked the world and i feel like this was never going to be that but just the idea of what they did was really i mean it was, it was incredible the way that they they did it i mean i really hope this doesn't become a trend because 
that movie was rushed. It really was. Mm-hmm. It was not ready to be put out. Yeah. And I, I hope that companies don't jump on this bandwagon of just dropping a release date on you day of. Give it time. That movie should have probably been pushed back a few more months. They they weren't ready. And we I think we can all see that now. But uh, I think we need to go around the room now. Um, I want your final thoughts on it, briefly. And tell me if it was uh, good sci-fi or bad sci-fi. I think it was good sci-fi. I enjoyed the science. The things that they did go into, you know, some detail about or whatever, felt, you know, understandable, logical, kind of. Uh, and then they just totally steered clear of things that they didn't want to half explain, which I liked. Uh, but then near the end when they had, they had the whole communications thing and she wanted to bring the commu- communications back up to be able to send herself a message. And she just runs up to a keyboard, slaps a bunch of keys, and is like, okay, communications back up. <laughs> I don't know. They went, I feel like they went out of they, they went out of their way to avoid doing that the whole movie, and they just did it at the end anyway with the communications thing just to be like, okay, we're in. That's the exact point. <laughs> uh, that bothered me. But uh, yeah, otherwise I think it was good sci-fi. Okay. I just want to talk about Girl on the Wall because that was fucking awesome. <laughs> that was that very was cool crazy. to see. Uh, ben? Uh, good sci-fi, bad movie. I uh, thought it was a valiant attempt. That's fair. I think that's fair. No, it was just, it was just the brevity. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I compose my thoughts ben before I speak young. them. Um, it, I thought it was a valiant attempt at, at continuing this anthology series, and, and sometimes it's okay to fail, and I think we need to tell Bad Robot that, and, and brush off the dust, and, and let them get up and try again with Overlord. I don't, I don't think they're that worried. And if they still, if they fuck up Overlord, then we stop giving them our money, and that, that's that, so. Yeah, I won't really say a ton more on it, because I already talked way too much, but I would say that... It was solid sci-fi. It wasn't bad sci-fi for as bad of a movie as it was, ultimately. It wasn't bad sci-fi. I mean, it had some ideas and it had some things it was trying to say. So I give it credit where credit's due. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't brainless. Um, But it just, it didn't work this time. Matt? I'm near Ben. Good sci-fi, bad movie. Yeah. Just it had a lot of potential. It set up a really. In, it started to set up an interesting world, and then it just started at, like just rushing through everything else, and it just fell apart at that point. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I'm. I'm in the same camp. Uh, good sci-fi, bad movie. Um, I. I'm. I'm like. I'm. I'm thinking about it all as as we're talking about it, and it's just not really finding myself to be a fan of these Cloverfield movies. Um, I'm not a big found footage guy, so Cloverfield one doesn't do anything to me. Fair enough. I can't remember exactly what I said regarding Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um, I feel like maybe if it were, maybe if it didn't have the necessarily like the alien aspect of it, I probably would have liked it better as like a general. Thriller. I think you did shit on the end when. I think I did. Yeah. Uh, I think I would have loved that movie as a thriller rather than a potential sci-fi movie. And then this, um, you know, it's it. I would have loved to have seen the movie this was before it became the Cloverfield Paradox. I would have loved to have seen the the God Particle, Um, but you know they. 
I, I like, and I, I enjoyed the start. Like I said, I like was enjoying the movie while I was watching it. Um, and I think ultimately for me, it was, I liked where we were going, but I didn't like where we ended up. Yeah. I think it was good. Good sci-fi. Definitely was. Um, I think it had the potential to be a good movie. And in the editing room, it literally just got thrown downhill. And that's unfortunate. But uh, like Ben said, I'm willing to say, okay, you gave it an effort. Didn't work out this time. What do you have next? And hopefully with the critical reception that this one got, that Overlord will actually be given more... Uh, attention they're actually going to try a little bit harder on it yeah oh real quick i just want to say that it was originally called god particle they only mentioned the higgs boson once right once i oh, i think that once that towards that the end a lot of that is our missing yeah was talking about the higgs boson. yeah uh, thank you for listening despondent over there <laughs> sorry thank you for listening and uh we'll see you next time